Hey there, welcome to the Speakeasy Library. How you making, good? I'm Dan, and this is my podcast. My weekly excuse to have a drink, or five, and shoot the breeze with a guest. I'll talk to them mostly about their past and current projects, future plans, and the ideas that inform their personal philosophy and worldview. I know I'll fall short of covering these topics in sufficient depth, as anyone who knows me could tell you, digressions are coming, digressions are coming, but I'll try to get a little better each time, and you can help me with this by sending your feedback to speakeasylibrary at gmail.com. Now to this week's episode. Thanks to everyone who listened to the first episode. All things considered, the download numbers are looking really good. The podcast is now available on most podcast apps. Please subscribe to receive new episodes when they are released, which now will be every Monday. In this week's episode, I talked to my friend, John Gates. We talk almost exclusively about music. John is a guitarist, and he has been playing for about 20 years. He was playing a guitar when I met him, and has played music almost every day since then. Until recently, that is. Sometime in the last couple of months, I asked him about what kind of music stuff he was working on, and he said he wasn't working on anything. For some reason, the circumstances were such that I didn't question him further, and ever since then, I've been wondering, has he said goodbye to playing music, or just see you later? I really hoped it was the latter. I opened the conversation asking him about this. From there, we talk about how he got started playing, and touch on various things including his practice regimen early on, playing in the church band, and the time he played a $45,000 acoustic. In the second half, we talk about musical influences and muse over the distinguishing features and significance of certain bands and genres. I figure by the end of the episode, after hearing so much about John as a musician, that you'll want to hear him play. So I replaced the theme music at the end with a cut of him covering Elliot Smith's No Name Number 1. It's a good song, and John does a great job with it. I hope you like it. But it's unfortunate I couldn't show you one of his originals. A quick story. It was five years ago, actually, when I first decided to do this podcast. I got the equipment and did some pilot interviews. One of them was with John. After the interview, I recorded him playing a bunch of songs. Four or five of his originals, I think, and maybe four or five covers. I ended up putting the podcast on the back burner after that, and none of the songs were released. But the cut you'll hear John do today is actually from that recording session. It would have been really cool to show you at least one of his originals, but since I didn't have the time to prepare more than one, I opted to show you the Elliott Smith cover, since Smith is one of John and my favorites, and we mentioned him in the conversation. Follow John on Instagram at whack underscore scholastics, whack spelled W-A-K. When John releases some music, I'll point you to it and or play it on the show. Subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you use for extra credit, rate and review. I think the only major app we aren't on yet is Stitcher. Send your feedback to speakeasylibrary at gmail.com and follow the show on Twitter at Dan underscore S-E-L pod and Instagram at speakeasy library. Now to my conversation with John. You are a musician, mostly play guitar. And recently I talked to you uh, and I said something like, well, how long or what are you working on? You know, how, how often do you play guitar? And you said something like, oh, I haven't played in weeks or months or something like that. And that came as a surprise to me because, you know, uh, I've known you for, I don't know, 17 years or something. 
And when I first met you, you were into guitar. At, you know, I was too, but I was just a bum. I, you know, fiddled around, learned just enough to be able to play rock songs. I was, I was actually thinking about it. So you, on the other hand, were like aggressive and ambitious. You're trying to learn Hendrix. Uh, as far as I can tell, you basically achieved a close approximation of most Hendrix songs. You're like working through the Hendrix songbook. I, on the other hand, was like, it, it reminds me of, I was thinking about it, and it reminds me of Chris Rock's joke about people trying to get him to go to college after getting his GED. And he's like, <laughs> you know, high school is whooping my ass. And so like, I think, you know, Green Day songs are whooping my ass, like Jimi Hendrix. So just to give uh, the peeps a, an idea, you were, you like took it very seriously and got really good and you practiced a lot and had a really strong practice regimen. And as far as I knew up until fairly recently, you were playing a lot you know, regularly, but maybe not so much anymore. So, uh, what, what's going on there? Um, well, I mean, actually when we talked the other day, I was like thinking about that and I was like, damn, I don't like that. Um, and it just so happens that maybe three weeks ago, I like put up an acoustic guitar for sale on Craigslist that I have, and I'm down to just like one guitar right now, which I usually would have like two. Um, but I put on on uh, Craigslist for sale, and somebody called me about it this morning, and I actually like traded my acoustic for this PRS electric, okay. and um, I'm gonna be like jamming soon. I got like a drummer and a bass player together, so we'll be playing more okay. soon. So I you just- haven't had an electric in a while. No, I haven't. Um, and I would say typically I play acoustic more, but not recently. And I don't know. I'm kind of tired of that acoustic. Mm-hmm. I feel like I do that. I rotate through instruments, get tired of them, and then I either sell them or I just trade them. Well, yeah. Speaking of selling them, it just occurred to me. I, I asked you about your electric, and I thought, it does not seem that long ago when you were gung-ho about a telecaster and i think you got one didn't you i did i did and then you sold it <laughs> yeah um yeah that one i sold not necessarily to get another instrument i was just like really broke at the time it was when i first started going back to school and i didn't have a job and i was worried about all types of different things with like it being the first semester back i think is when i sold that um and i also just wasn't playing really anywhere and I still had an acoustic so I was like eh I think uh I'd rather have the cash here and Mm -hmm. you know I basically made my money back which is kind of what I do like if you buy a used instrument you kind of already bought it at the rate like you'll sell it at and you know sometimes you make 50 bucks on it Mm -hmm. which is nice that is sometimes yeah you you buy very expensive high quality used musical equipment and i remember i think you bought a tube amp uh you had the telecaster you've had many other expensive guitars and things like that and sometimes i think like oh man like why are you spending your money on that like they're really cool and everything but the good thing is that like you said if you're if you're 
buying stuff from the upper echelon, it's going to keep its value a lot of times. You know, yeah. that stuff's made to last and people, you can just sell it and someone else will buy it and they'll use it for years and sell it. And especially last pretty long. Yeah. Like especially used, um, when you buy it new, you'll, you lose a little bit of value there, but yeah, I also don't want to like shell out the ludicrous amount of money that it takes to like buy a real nice instrument. Cause I always kind of like chill in that, like almost a grand range when it comes to electric guitars and acoustic guitars. But realistically, you could spend like five G's on an acoustic and you could spend like five G's on an electric. You could spend 30 G's on an acoustic depending on what you want to do, but I ain't got that. So mm-hmm. we're getting the thousand dollar range. Can you hear the difference between a 600 and a $3,000 guitar or yeah. whatever? Yeah, you definitely can. Um, and you can, you can feel the difference when you're playing it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're generally like a little bit heavier. They're a little bit more resonant. Um, and they've been, they've been like set up to play better. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you buy like a $800 instrument or something like that. And it's like, you'll find like a dead note on it. And you're like, what? Like, come on now. I just gave you 800 bucks. Yeah. At least have the thing work. Yeah. I, I, I imagine that some for sure the chances of a guitar, if you're paying $20,000 for a guitar, obviously the chances of it being significantly better than something you pay $500 for is obvious. I guess what I was wondering is, have you really experienced it where you pick up a guitar that is worth $15,000 and you say, whoa, this feels like $15,000. Like this is really worth it. And if I had the money, I would buy it sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of, if I had the money, I would definitely buy it, but like, that's a lot of money. Um, I was, so I went to school for like a semester and dropped out, um, for music performance. And, um, I kind of got suckered into doing a choir class. Like it might even have been a requirement. I don't remember, but I wasn't happy about it. Um, but anyway, I met, I met this, uh, guy named Jose and his dad was a, a flamenco guitarist and he had like a $45,000 acoustic and I got to play that. Um, I'm surprised he let me touch it. I would not be letting people touch my $45,000 guitar, but he let me play it in the, in the auditorium, which was like, you know, it was, it was made for small performances. So it was like basically the perfect venue to play that guitar. And yeah. Yeah, that shit was worth at least five G's to me. Forty-five, I don't know about that, but five G's definitely all day. Nice. So, getting back to you not playing for a while, it sounds like you just stopped for whatever reason, but intend to play again. I because when I asked you about it, I forget exactly why, but you you were you were very vague about why you hadn't played. So I was worried that you had just sworn it off, especially given how there was a time there where it seemed like you thought you wanted to make a career out of it, possibly. Not as if it was your only option or I know I think you were somewhat conflicted about that. But it seemed to me at some point that that was your goal. And I always get excited when somebody's got some goal that's where they have like a project 
or something that they're trying to do on their own. I mean, maybe they do it with other people, but it's not, they didn't sign up for a course and it told them step one, step two, step three. They're like trying to make something happen. I get, I get excited about that. So I always thought, oh yeah, John's going to try to make something of that. And so when I, when you said you hadn't played in a while, I thought, oh no, is this it? Is he just giving up music? No, no, it, it was nothing like that. Um, Although I find like my motivation to play just hasn't been there. And sometimes I guess maybe this is something other musicians go through. I feel like I've, I've heard other musicians I know say they kind of just went in like a recharge period where it's like, they're not really playing. Um, I don't know if it happens to everybody, but like sometimes you're just not interested and you just yeah. put it down and I mean, once you're at like a certain point, like once you know, and you can like hear the stuff in your head and you can play it on your instrument, you're not really that far away from music. You know what I mean? Um, so like ideas are always like rolling around in your head and I don't know, sometimes you just get too busy or just disinterested. And like, I think it was probably both because I really stopped playing when um, I went back to school and that just became like a lot. I think I was like not, or at least I didn't feel I was mentally prepared to go back to school. Like, you know what I mean? Cause I'm going back and I'm like 33 now. Um, and I guess when I first went back, I was 32 and I just remember I dropped out so many times, um, that it like almost seemed like this joke inside my head where it's like, okay, you know what? If you, drop out or if you get any bad grades here um like you're just never gonna live this down like you do it now or you just you're pathetic basically yeah. and my like internal dialogue is like must succeed um and i ended up you know i i did real well i got like straight a's but it took a lot it took like everything i had to like get back in that flow because like i'm not the type of person that loves school i hate it um it's in the way of me doing all the stuff that I would rather do. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Nowadays though, now that I'm, you know, I'm back in school, it's not quite the same as it was before. Cause like, you know, I was like 20 something. And when you're 20 years old and you don't really have like an idea necessarily where you want to go, like it could be easy to get wrapped up into all different types of things like yeah and i was certainly wrapped up in many <laughs> things you know yeah smokable drinkable things uh just kind of floating around having fun yeah i was the same way and it's actually so much so that's so much my experience that it's it's kind of surprising when you hear people who did really well in school around that time because I think I've learned, and it sounds like you're learning this too, that once you mature and you have a sense of purpose and you just, you know, you've grown up a little bit and you have adult goals and have a little bit of an understanding about what it is you really should be aiming toward, then school becomes a little bit easier. I'm not, not to say that it hasn't been hard or that you haven't had to work hard. But you're not probably constantly negotiating with yourself about whether you should do it. And you're certainly smart enough and can work hard enough to do it. But you just, you've, 
you you decided to do it and you follow through that i i could be wrong but i think that was my problem i could not do that and i don't think you probably couldn't either or just like get distracted by all sorts of things and constantly justifying them and saying oh you know i'll do it later i'll do it tomorrow uh you're looking for reasons to just not do it and um but yeah. uh yeah. I would I would find like distractions the night before. That was my most often found distraction is like, okay, you know, I I would class at like nine o'clock in the morning, but like I don't know, like the whole restaurant team from Fridays is trying to like hit this blunt and <laughs> maybe drink a little bit and you know, it sounds like a good idea. So do that till like three o'clock in the morning and I don't wake up. Yeah. So I don't know. You kind of like stack a couple weeks of like missing four classes. And then all of a sudden you're like right on the brink of like failing somebody's class due to absences alone. And you're not trying to go back. And I just didn't. It was really kind of a stupid thing. I wish I hadn't done it, but that's the reality of it now. Here's the thing I think I used to do. I, I would, it's as if I were multiple people. When I'm signing up for classes, I'm ambitious and studious and responsible and i'm thinking oh, i want to get at it early nine o'clock class eight thirty class or something like that and then there's the other side of me which is the real part and you know like you said parties till three or four in the morning and then that eight thirty class is not happening like you're not able to get there and i wouldn't reconcile that some people were honest with themselves and go oh yeah i'm not a morning person or i mean that could be a euphemism Whatever. They knew they weren't going to wake up in time, so they didn't schedule any classes before 1230 or 1 or something. Whereas I wanted to think of myself as somebody who could do that, but didn't actually, even though I couldn't and wouldn't, uh, yeah, like that part of me, those parts of me were disconnected, you know? Um, and so, like, I want to talk about some of the things that you, uh, like, I don't know, your experience with music and your whole journey through it. So when did you start? Um, I started, I guess I started playing guitar when I was like, I don't know, 15 or 16 or something like that. I think it was like seventh grade. Um, before that point, actually I played clarinet. I, I lied. Yeah. Okay. Before that point I played clarinet. Um, I don't like, I wouldn't remember how to play a clarinet. Uh, I think it's an awful instrument. Like, I would never choose it again. But uh, I think my parents were like, that's the $45 instrument. Go with that. So I was like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, but then I started playing guitar when I was like 15 or 16. And um, like, I, I think I probably just like really like Nirvana. At the time, and I was like, "Yo, I'm trying Good to, choice. I'm trying to play that." So I think I like started on Kurt Cobain songs, and I really liked, uh, I really liked Hendrix too. But I wasn't really like super ambitious, like right in the beginning about playing Hendrix. But um, I think I learned like a couple Nirvana songs, and then um, my mom is like super, super religious, so she would have me going to church all the time. She was trying to get me to go to youth groups all this whack shit I wasn't trying to have. Um, I can't sit through church, the sit, stand, kneel thing. I like, 
it bothers me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's cool. If it's good for you, it's good for you. But um, it's hard for me to keep my attention mm-hmm. during that whole thing. And if I'm forced to, like, I really just get, like, resentful as I'm, like, forced to do it. Because, like, you know, my mom was forcing me to go. And I'm like, 15 or 16 years old, you know, you think you'd have some kind of choice in the matter, but you don't. Um, so instead of sitting through mass, I was like, you know what? I'm going to join the life teen, um, the life teen band. So I was in my first band, the super cool Christian rock band. Um, but that was actually awesome because there was two other really good guitarists that were both better than I was. Um, and they kind of like took me under their wing a little bit and they were not that religious either, uh, which was (laughs) pretty cool. So we would like play little jam songs and shit like that, uh, during mass. And it was great because it meaning like if, so maybe like one or two of the guitarists are playing what they're supposed to, and then someone else would kind of riff on it or like. Well, we would definitely do that, but I mean, like when you're everybody's supposed to be silent and the musicians aren't supposed to be playing. Oh, we would just kind of like really mute it down, and it's a big place, so nobody really is going to hear it, and nobody bitched. Okay, but like, yeah, we would kind of just like fuck around. Oh, that's ass. funny. Um, it was. I mean, it, it was better than sitting in the pew and kneeling down. Yeah. Also, I imagine it was maybe a good education in that. Like, I think a big part of why I sucked, uh, everybody sucks at first, but why the reason I didn't, I wasn't on a path to get better at a good pace because it was my motivation was purely to play, um, you know, like a facsimile of a song that's on the radio or something. And, the most complex stuff would be power chords. Um, it was all tabs. So like you're learning nothing about like timing or open chords or any other sort of mildly more sophisticated stuff. And I would make it even simpler by down tuning the guitar. So you could do a power chord with just putting your one finger across the fret. I think, I mean, I think you're sleeping on yourself a little bit. Like you weren't bad. Well, I mean, you, I mean, for what we, I did, I had enough experience playing with a drummer that, I could make something sound like a song. Yeah. Um, you weren't one of those shitty people that just like is allergic to metronomes and like yeah. two left feet. Yeah. But I mean? it wasn't, I, it just wasn't, it, it, yeah. At my best, I was okay, but still like in a very sloppy way or like, you know, like the equivalent of you see certain, let's say quarterbacks, Philip Rivers. Did you ever see the way he throws the ball? Um, he, it's like some weird like sidearm thing. You hear sidearm and you think you picture it, and you'd say, "Okay, that is unconventional," but that's a thing. No, he he does something completely different. It's technically sidearm, but it looks like the goofiest thing ever, and it's amazing that the ball comes out of his hands the way it does. It it's so bizarre, but it's sort of one of those things probably where ever since he was in fifth or sixth grade, he's been throwing it that way, and he just never changed it. And so, like, I think I had probably a bunch of terrible habits, too. Like, I just didn't know how to do basic things the way they were supposed to be done. Um, But whatever. I don't know. I just know it seems like maybe that whole gig didn't make or break you as a musician. But I would have – I think I probably would have been better off if I had learned some of the things that you learned then in the beginning. Definitely helped. 
Yeah. For sure. The action of playing with other people, you are forced to, you know what I mean? You're, you're forced to be in time. Uh, you're forced to like take into account dynamics and all this stuff is like kind of over my head. Um, at first, like it just seemed like a lot and I like would get kind of nervous a little bit when I first started, but like I literally had been playing guitar for like two months or something like maybe less than that at the point when I, um, signed up with that. Um, and that definitely like kind of shot off some growth, like quicker than it probably would have happened if it was just me by myself. But I, I don't know, because at the same time I was playing a lot. Um, it was like kind of my only, only interest at the time. I was like pretty myopic with it. Uh, and I think shortly after I like got good, it took me like a year and I started like really, really getting deep into like playing Hendrix tunes and stuff. So like it didn't really take too long. And I, I think it's a direct result of, I literally love to do it. So like, I remember I would listen to songs and, and play them like, but try to do like an exact match, like just an absolute exact match. And I would like listen to slow down version of songs and, um, and I was like, you know, I was teaching myself, like I was using material that I found online or, you know, found however, maybe I bought a book, but I was teaching myself. So it was all stuff that I was interested in. And I mean, I think interest is one of the best teachers out there. Like I could go to a class all day and if I don't put in the work, like I'm not going to, not going to graduate, not going to pass that class. But when you're interested in something, you don't even got to worry about that shit. You're like begging to. I remember I would stay up to like four o'clock in the morning just playing stupid ass Nirvana songs. You know what I mean? Just like the same one, you know, they're all like yeah. the same power chord, but somehow like I'm, I'm chilling, loving it, staying up till four o'clock in the morning. Um, so was it like that when, as soon as you got it? So you're saying that interest is the best teacher. I think you're right. But did, as soon as you got your guitar, were you, immediately motivated to start learning these things like i actually i played my dad's guitar um i didn't get a guitar until i started playing a couple times and my dad bought me a uh like a 90 dollar like one of those yamaha kits that you get Mm -hmm. which turns out was one of the most badass guitars that i literally have ever had like i love that guitar um for me it was the fender squire do you remember that? Okay. It's like yeah. the Stratocaster ripoff sort of thing. Yes. Or, I'm sorry. Squire was Fender's sub brand, maybe? Yeah, that's what it is. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. So Squire, yeah, I, think it's like, I forget what they called it. I think it's like a Korean Fender, basically. Okay. Yeah. And it was pretty good. My brother still has it, actually. Pete. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so... Yeah, so I think I can relate to uh you know, I you know, I was trying to play songs too that I'd heard. And I guess I'm wondering though what made you jump to that level. Um because okay, so you I remember in high school and I'm guessing many people can relate to this. People would play guitar. And it feels like a common thing. And it's so common that 
a lot of them are probably just playing it in a way similar to me. They just want to learn a few songs or they had an idea of a band, but they're not really that dedicated and they don't get that good and they pass it up for something else. Whereas, you know, if somebody's a drummer, maybe they tend to be better or if they're a trombonist or something, like if they play some obscure instrument, I feel like they're more likely to be good because it's like, why else would they be playing it? You know, like they might play it because they're used to it and they have a lot of experience or acumen or something. But guitar is one of those things where everybody just says, oh yeah, I want to play guitar. You know, there was like a period where half of the kids in your class, it seems were playing guitar. And a lot of them just say, oh yeah, I can, I mean, yeah, a handful, a lot of Nirvana songs are easy to play. Uh, Green Day. Uh, I mean, there's obviously there's like so many songs, but you can play. I mean, you can play Beatles songs. You can play all sorts of things. But you were playing, trying to play Hendrix, and then even later, when we can probably get to this, but I remember there was a period where you decided all of a sudden you said, "Hey, like I want to start singing while I'm playing." And I remember you expressing kind of like apprehension about it. You were thinking it's going to be hard. I don't really know. I I'm not sure if I'll be able to do it. And then you got into, you know, music like Elliot Smith and you just mastered that, you know, too. And he's, you mentioned dynamics earlier. I was just listening to some of his stuff and I was amazed that I was like, oh yeah, I forgot how careful he is with the dynamics. It's like, not only is he finger picking like a madman, but his dynamics are really good too. And, uh, I heard some live track and it's like, oh man, he's just as good live as this in the studio. And like, so, but what I mean is like, these are advanced type stuff and, you know, you would just attack it and get better and better. And then that's the other thing too, like Hendrix, that's lead, you know, mostly. And then you felt like you had your dose of that. And then you kind of started playing more rhythm stuff and like got more advanced and sophisticated at that. Like, it just looked like you were going for the next thing and trying to, um, you know, advance. Whereas if you were just settling for, I want to be able to say I'm a guitarist, then you just look for the easiest thing you can do and then just show everybody, Hey, look, I can do this song. And then you don't want them to see all the stuff you can't do. Whereas you're just like, I want to do everything and keep going. And was it always like that? Yeah. I mean, I pretty much right away wanted to play well. Um, like I was definitely a Hendrix fan when I, I first started playing. Um, but I, I think it was a bit more of a Nirvana fan. Um, I just so happened to have some like Nirvana tape. I think it was like from the muddy banks of the wish car I had on cassette tape. Mm-hmm. If you still yeah, it's alive, can album. believe that that exists in cassette decks. Yeah. Like, last fucking time you've seen that. Um, yeah. And like, I just didn't have that much music. So that was like, I guess by default, one of my favorite things, but I was also listening to like, uh, a little bit of Ozzy. I okay. shamefully listened to ICP at some point. I'll admit okay. that. Um, <laughs> I actually don't. I know of them, but I, I couldn't tell you a song. I, I never really heard them. You missed nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I was kind of all over the board. I listened to everything. Um, but I, I really just wanted to be a good guitarist. Um I don't know if there's any reason for that. I just liked it. Yeah. I just really liked it. I love the sound of Hendrix tunes and like the angry Nirvana stuff. And, you know, you're 
teenage male, like you're going to be a little angry. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, your dad's an asshole, punch the wall, play your guitar. <laughs> pretty good shit. Um, but I don't know. I like, I, I never have wanted to be like a hack at anything. Um, so I guess maybe that plays into it too. That seems like an important thing, but the way you say it is funny, as if anyone wants to be a hack. Well, no one would say they want to be a hack, but you're right. Some people effectively do want to be hacks because they don't want to put in the work to be excellent or be have it like a sophisticated level of skill. Yeah. No. It, yeah, I, I hear you're saying. But I just thought you, the way you said it made me think. Oh, just imagine someone's like, "I really want to be a hack." It almost reminds me of those anti-drug commercials around when we were kids, and and one of them was it would show some little kid, and he's like seven or eight years old, and he's like, "When I grow up, I want to be a junkie." <laughs> <laughs> My friend Derek and I thought that was so funny. <laughs> oh man, um, I I feel like um, guitarists though notorious notorious hacks they suck oh yeah like, yeah talk about that a bit because you i could see you uh nodding knowingly when i was talking about high school and everybody every other person being a guitarist it's it's disgusting it really is disgusting and it was a giant pain in the ass like when when playing because like while playing music is fun like there's a sort of sort of a level thing where it's not really that fun when somebody sucks and you know what you're doing it's not really that fun you're like kind of past the point of like i don't know maybe like when you suck like it's enough to like really get jazzed up to just like pull your guitar out and like bro around on it and like pretend like you know what you're doing but i don't know as, as you like meet more people that say they play guitar like when you're first a guitarist and you're like taking it somewhat seriously you know what i mean um you like jam with random people and most of the people you meet fucking suck they're absolutely awful they can't keep they can't keep a tune like it's just really really bad and like they have no idea where the notes are i feel like guitarists are the most notorious and the few music teachers that i've had like when i went to school for it like later on in college say the same exact thing so i, I think it's like a universally accepted thing that Guitar is the easiest instrument to pick up. Now, to be like actually good at it, I don't know about that. Um, but there are so many people that play guitar that it's like, okay, you know, like three chords, bro. Like, calm it down on the like acumen. You ain't got acumen. Yeah. Well, and it, and some people maybe are very upfront about that. I, it made me think. Actually, I realized, you know, the whole reason I even got into it because. My cousin played guitar, but then he got into drums and he wanted to play drums, but he wanted to jam with someone. So he taught me as quickly as possible. He's like, let's just get some easy songs in you so that I have someone to play with. You're talking about Rit, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's the whole reason. So at least it, it's almost a little bit, it feels like it came, I don't know, for maybe better reasons. I wasn't just like, let me learn the song so I can play this 10 second snippet of Stairway to Heaven in, you, in a guitar center. Or something, you know. Instead, it was like I want to play, and also jamming. That is fun. You were on that, so like you weren't what I'm. What I'm describing, like that awful person. Yeah, but um, I, there aren't very few guitars worse than me. I'm not good. Like, I, yeah, I but like you, you would just chill in your lane. You're oh, like, I okay, so like, yeah, yeah, I'm not that good, but like, I'll play these couple chords, and like, I can keep the beat, 
mm-hmm. and we'll just like go real slow and then like maybe we'll change this here maybe we'll maybe we'll do something else but like let's just keep it real simple mm-hmm. and that's great like because that's like this reasonable level of acceptance of where you actually are oh i see but you will find these people that like there's something in their head where like i don't know there's like a disconnect between like ears and brain it's like all of a sudden because they're playing it it sounds good but like oh, I, see. I feel like if they were to listen to that somebody else playing it they'd be like what what the fuck or like maybe maybe they're there's not enough RAM up there to like listen and play at the same time. I, I don't know what the mm-hmm. issue is, but it's a thing. You also bring up another thing. You said you would slow songs down. You probably recorded stuff. It's, you know, you think you look a certain way because you see yourself in the mirror, but then if you take a picture, it looks a little different. Hell, even with this podcast, you know, I think my voice sounds a certain way. Then I listen to it in post and it sounds different so it's probably important to establish just to be familiar with the fact that what you hear maybe is slightly different um so like did you record stuff like would did you probably record things you played right to like critique it yeah yeah um i would not not super often in the beginning um but I, I did start to, and that was that was on a cassette as well, like one of those like Walkman type of deals, mm-hmm. like if you believe that. Um, yeah, Andrew and I did that too. We record on actually a cassette tape. We recorded together. I remember. Oh, yeah. um, remember, my Strat died, yeah. so I had like the active pickups in it, so it was like battery controlled, basically. But for whatever reason, like as I'm playing like the solo to like something like you and Rit wrote um the battery just decides to go dead to the point that it explodes inside my guitar but it was like this crazy ass guitar solo um yeah and it's at the end it it was you know fading but in such a way that sounded cool yeah you know how like uh it's like know, it died Morello and uh some other guy they might like I I remember hearing one guy talk about he would burn his guitars, but then I guess not so bad that they weren't usable, but they would have like a new tone or something. I don't know if he was just saying that to fuck with people, readers of a magazine, or if he was just trying to act cool. But I think guys will do weird stuff like, oh yeah, I, whatever, I, I intentionally do something weird or fuck up a part of my guitar because I like the way it feels or like the way it sounds. And, um, and it, it kind of had that sort of vibe to it. It was uh, it, it, it it was dying, but like in a musical way. It was it was still in in key. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was badass. It was great. I wish we could find that tape. Yeah, I think I looked for it a while ago and I couldn't find it. For a while, I had it though. Maybe Andrew has it actually. I know I had it for a while, but I might have like gotten mixed up with other tapes that he had or something. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, that was that was fun. That was a perfect example of the sort of stuff he and I did. He thought it's in some sense I was his drummer because it's just like just play these three chords just over and over, and I get to drum, and then I can do my fills, and I can do. And he's also that kind of drummer too, where he doesn't actually have a ton of crazy fills. He just wants to play, and he can do some little things here and there. But like really solid when it comes to just okay, what are we playing? And he listens, figures it out, and then just plays and doesn't feel like he needs like oh, give me my solo or. Hey, I need this really 
I got to do this really intricate time signature. And if you don't figure it out, then we're fucked. Like he just wants to play. So, uh, the song you're in particular that you're talking about, it was, yeah, it was, I guess a three chord verse and then a three or four chord chorus, which used a couple of the chords that were used in the verse. And, uh, it just repeated over and over, but it was a perfect sort of like bed in which, in which you could just do all sorts of stuff. And I guess it was in a key where that you were just familiar with or really comfortable soloing in. And so you just, but I think the recording we have, it's just the whole song is just you soloing for like five or six or eight minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah. That I, th- was, I think it was in like B minor. We probably would have kept pentatonic going. Pentatonic or something like that. We would have kept going, I guess, if your guitar didn't die. I think. Probably. Yeah. yeah. That was... That was a nice little jam. It was just like begging to be ripped apart. You know what I mean, <laughs> it's nice that you could give the assist like that. You know what I mean? You you weren't trying to step outside your box. You're like, I can do this real well, so I'll yeah. just do this. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll just like try and slap this song around a little bit, see what yeah. happens. I've always, um, I've always kind of also held out hope, and I, I definitely don't. I haven't held up my end of the bargain, but like, I want to get good enough to write songs where we, like, I just sometimes think it would be really cool if we wrote songs together, but there's so much work I'd need to do to get to the point. I don't think, like, I, and by the way, I don't mean I that I would, I don't picture me being some sort of virtuoso on guitar, but just having a better understanding, say, of like music theory and more important, I guess, how I play um, to get the most out of what I know and kind of like, just because the stuff that we did before that was fun, but it, I'd like it to be a little bit more sophisticated on my end. You know, it'd be more because then that would get real old fast if I never got better than I was before. If I just did that all the time, you know, um, not that I have to be making crazy solos, but just maybe having things that are a little bit more, a little more sophisticated. Yeah, but uh, I I just never did did the work. <laughs> Yeah, it's I mean you, you gotta have the interest though. Yeah you know what I mean that's yeah. what, you just you gotta do it. But if you don't have the interest, it's really kinda hard to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I feel like the longer it goes on, like the easier it is to just not play. Like I don't think it's any coincidence at all that like you have like young prodigies. You know what I mean? They really oh, yeah. liked it when they're young. Their brain is like really picking everything up. Um, you know, it's easier to learn things when you're young. You know what I mean? They say something about like, I don't know, like if you don't learn like a certain language by like whatever age, like seven or something like that or five, I don't remember what it is, but like you'll never be like really truly fluent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To like that. the point where you're like a native speaker, like you could, develop fluency and like understanding the words and like, you know, taking the time to mill around and find them in your head. But like, you'll never be able to like vocalize them quite the same as people who speak that as their native tongue. I feel like that definitely like translates to instruments too. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, the, the sort of thing I'd be shooting for good, like lucky for me is not that it's not a level of, virtuosity that I could only achieve if I had started when I was five. It's just like 
just being a little bit more second nature with it. Like, yeah, I can play a bunch of chords. I start to have a knack for it. I do it enough that I start to kind of skip steps, meaning like I'm not translating, you know, oh, wait, what is that? What key is it in? Oh, wait, what if I were to, um, you know, like what are the relevant progressions? Like instead I would just kind of do it or know it, you know, or you hear the, hear the note and you go, oh, I, I just know what that is sort of thing like that. Um, not necessarily with every, with every note, but just getting like, I, I think the best way to put it is like where it's second nature and then kind of getting creative. So being good enough to be creative, to kind of loosen up and go, okay, I can play with this a little bit. That's where I think I'd want to be. But obviously someone like me probably needs to not think about that. Instead, just think about like, you need to take play one. dumbass. Like, you need one. to actually sit down and practice. You know, it'd be cool though. It's like when you're first playing, you can get like a hundred percent better every week. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing about being going. really bad is that you get really, you get much better, much faster. But from a writing standpoint too, like everything feels like a surprise. So as long as you're like open-minded all the time, like you can go in a shitload of directions because you don't know where the fuck you're going anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just play something. And it's like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. But who knows? Maybe it sounds cool. Oh, yeah. So you get yeah. the benefit of like random chance. Yeah. Or at least more so. Because uh-huh. it's not like I hear something and then I play it exactly. Like I'm not on that level. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, I get real close, <laughs> but like I'm not. I'm not. But you know where to start, though. Like you could say, you, if you, if you hear a piece of music and you want to learn it, and somebody says you can't look anything up, you definitely yeah I'll understand it. it well enough that you can you you know where to start f- looking and what yeah. It just might not be the first note that I play. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it might be like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, the closest to that I've ever come is I played what might be taps. But even then, I don't think it was in the right key. It might have been, like, relatively correct. Yeah. You know? Works, it like works. That. I don't know what key taps is in. <laughs> yeah. I just mean, it sounded close to me, but, yeah. I don't know. It's It's... My ear kind of sucks. Like, I think it can be good, but I don't look at it right. Like, I don't, I've never taken the time to really, it doesn't, I don't have enough training for any of this stuff to feel natural. And I think I just get like tight and go and just, my brain doesn't work when I'm trying to figure that stuff out. So I feel like with ear training, a lot of people have good ears. The training part is what they don't have. And then if you mix that with like not really knowing how to play the instrument either, there's so many different avenues to feel self-conscious that you just doubt yourself for no reason. Your ear's fine. It's everything else that's fucked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The thing that happens with singing, I've heard people say it before, like, why do I sing great in the shower, but can't, you know, sing well elsewhere? And it could be that you just think you sound good and you don't. But I think that can happen because there's times when, if I'm really trying hard, I get so tight and I can tell that I'm not singing the right note, but I don't even know where to go with it. But then there's other times where if like you're really loose and just kind of letting it flow, you really, you think you kind of like hear yourself and go, Oh, that's not too bad. Um, but it's not common for me. I mean, I have a really limited range, like from what I'm used to doing. I just, and my, my mechanics are terrible. Yeah. Just I like, feel like relaxation is definitely big, big thing. And like singing, I, I, you know, I never like 
set out to be like the best singer or anything like that. But like when I went to school for music, they make you sing. And I mean, for good reason, because if you can like make your body the instrument, like you just understand like from a feeling perspective, music so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, because you like literally feel it. Like you can feel the vibration going on, but singing is kind of like a thing where you need to really be relaxed. And, you know, you don't think about like, like if I want to say the word fuck, for instance, like I didn't think about like what muscles to move. I just said fuck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, it's just, you got to be relaxed. If I thought about saying fuck, I would probably be like one of those youth group kids that I, you know, <laughs> went to youth group with and they like try and curse and it just sounds so off. You're like, come on now. <laughs> come on. <laughs> John, they didn't have your dad. No, they didn't. They didn't. I learned from the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So, uh, do you think that you're going to try to play? out or release music publicly um i so i did get that new guitar today and i've also been getting blown up by reason um which is for anybody listening it's like a software program Mm -hmm. that you can record on um and it's like a full suite so you can you can mix master you can edit you can record live things you can build electronic music um, and actually one of the classes I took because I failed it a long time ago, I failed it cause I would rather smoke weed and, and drink instead of attend it. Um, I had to take it again. Not that I was like really interested in it, but when I went back to school, I had to take it, um, so I could replace the grade so I could, you know, get the GPA back up. Um, I took it and then I learned how to use reason, which is a really was at first when I first looked at it, intimidating software, but now I know how to use it like pretty well. And I keep getting emails from them that like 30% off and it's, it's pretty expensive software. So unless I have something specifically that I want to record at the time, it's really hard to be like, oh, here's $600. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Just to like, I'll write something later. You know what I mean? Cause like I can just record it on my phone or like, you know, do whatever approximation of that. Um, but I think I'm going to buy Reason. Um, and yeah, I think I'll probably record and and release something at some point. I doubt that uh, I'd want to like charge any money for it or like really be um, too terribly aggressive about it. But like I would like to release it. I think that would be mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and it would be nice to have that out there so I could sort of meet new musicians that way. And it's a nice like pre-screening process for meeting musicians. Because that's one of the things that like is really a pain in the ass. Like when I stopped playing recently, um, I was actually playing a shitload. Like I was playing out a lot. I had just sort of made a lot of changes in my life. Like, you know, I stopped living that sort of like party life bullshit. Um, and like got that all cleaned up and then like i had sort of like this time there i used it all to play music and i started writing some new stuff and i got connected with a bunch of people to jam with but often like once you meet a new musician like it it's pretty quick that you'll find there's something you know there's something a little off about them um 
especially when you're trying to play rock music, I don't think the same is really true of jazz or class. Definitely not classical music not to stereotype these people, but probably holds pretty true. Um, But you just find like so many drug addicts and not necessarily shitty people, but people that aren't going to show up on time. They really don't have any drive past like, okay, we got a couple beers in, like let's drop the D's and like start playing some metal songs or like, yeah, you just get sort of these clownish people, even when they're very talented, they're still like very much like 15 year old sort of mindset. Um, not that my mindset is like terribly far from that, but um, I actually wanted to like, you know, like take it and start like playing more and more. And I got involved with this one drummer um, who is like a brilliant drummer. He's like one of the best drummers I've, I played with and he just like went out on like a vicious heroin run. And it was like, you just one day he's just like kind of gone. You know what I mean? And thankfully he is all better now. So he's not dead gone. He just, he just disappeared. Yeah. I mean, you just like, you get lost in that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I, I wouldn't know with that kind of stuff, but yeah, he just kind of like disappeared and, you know, it just kind of like shot my motivation a little bit because like we were, we were pretty good and we were playing every day. We were playing for multiple hours a day and, you know, at that point it's just like, okay, like I'm, I'm getting older. Like the rock band thing, like, isn't really as cool anymore. Like I do like to listen to like James Taylor, like yeah. John Mayer, <laughs> maybe some Neil Young. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Neil Chill Neil. it on the, on the hard shit. So it just kind of like fell off and maybe, it, maybe it's good that it did. Cause I don't know. I, I spend my time in, I guess better ways. I don't know. We'll fucking see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's because I was think the reason I asked you about whether you're going to release something is because there, for, for so long, it was probably, you know, 10 or 15 years you were on that trajectory. And at the very least you made stuff that you kind of never released. I mean, I think, I guess you released it maybe as just like a video online or something. Uh, yeah, I've done, but, I've done that, but, but anytime you tried to like track it and, you were just hesitant for some reason or another. And I kind of thought for sure, it's probably the right move to not pretend like you want to become like a living as a rock musician. Uh, Not that it couldn't happen. Maybe you could do that. It's just that it's, I think it's fine to probably put that aside as a dream, but if you write music, why not release it? You know, as like a, almost maybe just to tell yourself, um, terminate like a section of your project, like kind of say like, that's the end. Cause otherwise if it's not, you might tinker with something forever and you might think, man, I just spent how many weeks on that chorus or something and it barely changed. And whereas if you just say like, Hey, every once in a while I take a group of songs and I kind of, I release them. I put them on my YouTube channel or I, Whatever, maybe you sell them, maybe you give them away for free. But if you're making the songs, it's, it seems kind of cool to, uh, or I mean, who knows? Maybe if you don't want to release them, that's fine. But it, like you should archive them or something. But I just know you have some. And for a while, you thought, oh, I'm going to make an album and I'm going to release it. And that didn't come to pass. But I feel like 
also playing out, I guess, isn't really a thing anymore with COVID. I mean, maybe it'll come back, but so even if you drop that and didn't play live, you could at least, you know, be some, one of these internet musicians. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely think that I, I will record and, and put something out at some point. As for all the other, um, things that I maybe wanted to do in the past. Like, I don't really know. Um, it would be really fun to play out. I, I don't have anything against it. Um, I just don't have like the same connection to it that I did. Okay. So like, I mean, I guess that's another thing too about like maybe not playing as much as like, I just don't really have the same connection. Like I think it's just lived kind of a wilder stupid life where like i just <laughs> didn't have as many responsibilities um and it just seemed so much like drinking a little bit smoke a little bit and you're hanging out with like you're hanging out, you're hanging out with your friends and a lot of my friends happen to be musicians so we're just playing like we're just playing cool music like it's just really kind of like like the vibe of that and wanted to keep that going. I almost like equate it with like part of my youth somehow, just wanting that more than is probably, um, well, definitely more than is probably smart. Cause like, um, I could have done other things at the same time. And I just, I just sort of chose not to, but I don't know. I guess I'm glad I did it. It was definitely fun. Um, yeah. And it's nice to have that. I just, I just can't see myself like going to that length that I did before mm -hmm. where like I was trying to like drive around and go to open mics and like meeting random ass people off Craigslist to like see if they, if they're like a good fit or if I should join their band or like, yeah, I don't like, I, fuck. If you want to pick that <laughs> like, up, that seems fine. But it would be, I know you said you're jamming this weekend. Sometimes, yeah, I got to, maybe I'll try to learn a little bit of something because that would be really fun to jam. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd be totally welcome. It, that, it's like a zero expectations jam. I'm, I'm meeting up with Nick. Yeah. What um, does he play these days? He's got like, so he plays bass. And you know how, you know how they are. Like, <laughs> They're always like just whipping their cock out and seeing who's his biggest. So they have this just gigantic bass rig. I'm gonna have to go buy earplugs because I know he's gonna be turning it way up. Oh, okay. And that's an, that's another thing about um, music and musicians that like I could do without. Like, bro, I really love to listen to music. That's why I play music. I don't need to blow my fucking eardrums out. Oh in yeah, this shitty basement because you think it sounds cool to crank that shit, like. We could just play so we we can all hear it. And drummer guy, dynamics are important for you too. Calm down <laughs> just a little bit. You start at all volume. There's no, there's not even space for low volume. Yeah, let's let's play nice. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good point. It's weird that I like rock music and like I sort of hate really loud sounds. It just bothers me. Yeah, I'm kind of like that too. I, maybe it's that they've lost their hearing. So now they need to turn it up to hear at the way they used to. But it might also be, you know, for example, I think I can appreciate really nice fast cars. 
but I could have a fun test drive without going 120 miles an hour. You know what I mean? Like I could say, Oh, let me go around this like cool curve and like test out the handling and maybe go fast, like out of the turn or accelerate quickly. But I don't want to go. There's some people who are just immediately want to go, Oh, I got this sports car and I want to go 150 immediately. And Likewise, certain people go, oh, I got this expensive guitar or this great amp, and I want to turn it up to 15. Like, that's all they care about, as opposed to saying, like, let me listen for this tone. Or that's the other thing. At a certain volume, too, everything gets distorted, and all the vibrations start. I think for some people, it makes their dick hard. (laughs) I'm serious. Like, I mean that. There's just something, like, badass about it. You know what I mean? Especially, like, the hackier type of guitarists like yeah all this fucking distortion is going to cover up my inadequacy like yeah you know what i mean oh it, like, it definitely does i like i mean yeah. i had people play, tell me they think i'm a good guitarist <laughs> <laughs> i like a clean channel myself um like a john mayer's sort of tone mm-hmm. john mayer's a fucking savage but even so even when i i, I can get excited about distortion and rock, but for me, it's still like the crunch or it's the, it's, there's something about, it doesn't have to be super heavy distortion, you know? Um, it, sometimes if, if it's the right combination of instruments played at the right pace and they kind of all interact in the right way, it can sound quote unquote heavy. Um, like Led Zeppelin doesn't really use that much distortion or if they do, it's like really light, but there's times where it's just like, whoa, this feels like it is just falling down on you. Like everything is like, it feels everywhere, you know, it just feels so full and so like with so much potential energy. It's just like wild. Like I like that feeling. I like to feel like, Whoa, this is wild, but it, I feel like it's more satisfying when you get it via means that aren't just turning it up as loud as you can. You know? Um, Like I remember people, that used to be something they would say about bands. Like that band's really loud. And I thought, unless loud, you don't mean it exactly as I think you do. You're just praising them for turning up their equipment really high. You know, I think it's, I mean, I think it's a thing, like, especially in metal. Like, loud is a thing. Like, I remember I went to a corn concert, not because I wanted to necessarily go to a corn concert, but because I got free tickets. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, I guess I'll go. Yeah. So I went. And I remember on the way down, the guy I was going with was telling me like how Corn is like accepted as the loudest metal band like at the time. And I was like, oh, that's really lame. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be great. I'm going to go to like a mosh pit where it's just super, super loud and I'm going to be uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. That's just not my scene. Um, Although I I guess for some people- that definitely makes their dick hard. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And too. now here's the thing. <laughs> Some people who know you might think you're um, being a hypocrite here because you love Meshuggah. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to mention that. But too. the reason you love them is not because how loud they are, right? No. I mean, although, you know, that's a band I will, you know, crank up a little yeah. louder than I normally would. But no, they, their rhythm is just, it's, it's an outrage. It's literally yeah. an outrage. Like, I don't know. I don't know how they come about writing those songs, but like they just groove so fucking hard. Yeah. And it seems like they play the same notes. It seems like there's not much that changes there, but they just groove so fucking hard and so tight. 
I saw them at the Trocadero, and that was hands down the best show that I've ever seen. Like, not even close. Nice. To anything else that I've seen. It, fuck yeah. I wish they would not just tour like Slavic countries. Like, come the mm-hmm. fuck over the over the ocean. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. The Trocadero. That's a small venue, right? Yeah, the, the Troc is like a very very small venue, and to see Mashuga at a venue like that is a little bit intense because. Yeah, it's a small place, but like their EQ sounded really, really good. Like, it's very surprising that a band like that, that is that detuned, that is that heavy, that loud, can get it to sound that good. But like, these are all like insane craftsmen. Like, most of the people in that band build their own instruments. Um, oh, Jesus, I and that. they literally like do a live EQ, like from a computer like they they're like they're doing the whole thing themselves like they don't have a sound guy they're uh, like okay. we're gonna fucking do this shit so they're all you know they're all some form of wizard i don't know how they got there but they're they're fucking badass nice all right so you were just talking about mashuga that was somewhat of a uh early seemingly uh out of character turn for you to be like so into metal so fast. What do you know? Have any idea about why? What what that was all about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I don't really. I'm not like a huge metal guy. I used to listen to metal. Um, not, I don't know, not like obscure metal, like a metalhead or anything. But I used to listen to like, like Slipknot, like you know what they had on the radio and shit like that. But. Um, this bass player that I knew, you also knew Zach Cohen. Oh, yeah. Um, he was really into Meshuga, and yeah, I don't know. I guess it just grew on me. Um, because I hated it at first. He would like play it, and we'd be smoking weed. And I'm like, can you turn the shit the fuck off? Like, it's really, really grating, and I hated it, but for some reason it just grew on me and now it's like literally top five band for me. Like I I can't listen to it enough. You know what? I just, so I have a theory. I was just mentioning to you about how we're not really concert goers and we're not really audiophiles. We don't obsess over, Hey, I got this new speaker set. We're not into vinyl. We're not into expensive headphones. But what you just said about Meshuggah and Zach made me realize that, at least for me, I think it's about friends and bonding with friends. Like, the reason why maybe, like, listening to music and being a fan of music is on another echelon, for me, is because of maybe, like, the personal connections that I relate to them. And remember, like, just like you said, you couldn't stand Meshuggah. You were like, what is going on here? And now, you not only tolerate them, but really, like, you've adopted Zach's love for them. And think about, I think it was kind of like that with you showed me bright eyes and then I showed you Elliot Smith. And I think both of us, when I first heard bright eyes, I was kind of like, Oh, this is cool. But like, I might've been a little bit skeptical of some of it. And then 
you were like that with Elliot Smith, where you're like, oh, this is kind of cool, but like, I'm not really feeling it completely. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know if that's true, but I, I thought I remembered it that way. Yeah. When I first heard Elliot Smith, I remember like, yeah, this is good, but like, damn, dude, sad. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean, like, it was like really intense. And I think you, you picked like a particularly squealy song that, okay. like, yeah. Because Elliot Smith is like, he really is great, but you have to be peaceful. Um, you have to be in the right, like, state of mind. I think listening to Elliot Smith, like, lends itself so much more to by yourself because you can really be in that inflective place. But luckily for us, um, we were probably drinking. Um, yeah. So you can really be in an inflective place then, too. Or we would listen to it on our own, but then talk about it together. But you're right. That's a good point. Yeah. Elliot Smith is not the sort of thing you necessarily doesn't play well at parties probably yeah no you should be like crying in a bathtub you know something like that (laughs) yeah oh man um but that is like so like elliot smith and bright eyes like they have that really personal sort of connection that you're talking about that like for me I, i think makes it special like i really always like i've always liked lyrics um and like not just like really transient sort of bullshit lyrics that are like pop lyrics. Like I really sort of have an appreciation of like Neil Young or like, you know, Connor O'Burst or like Bob Dylan sometimes. You know, like somebody that I feel like is really trying to say something and like I just have like this admiration for people that are like fucking punks. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember I loved um not that this is even like really the greatest song. Like as far as songs go, if I measured it like how enjoyable of a song is this? Like I would probably not rate it like super high. Um but when I listen to When the President Talks to God and oh, like yeah. I think about the fact that a like ninety five pound Connor Burst played it, probably in a cowboy hat on some like late night talk show just like screaming about how much he hates George Bush, regardless of what I think about politics. I just thought it was great. He's like out there just like screaming, fuck you, like from his heart. It sounds like he's almost about to cry. Like it's just sort of nice to be able to hear what like, I guess just like comes across as more honest where like you hear like a Britney Spears song and while it's sweet, it's awesome. Like you want to dance, whatever. Like it's not the same kind of thing whereas like Elliot Smith or a Connor or a Burst or a Neil Young like it feels like you can kind of see a part of like the special part of them that sort of like makes them human it's like not that not that way with certain pop like and I love pop music I love John Mayer and I think like you know his lyrics are pretty good but like it's not the same to me as listening to some like early Connor burst or like from the basement on a hill. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, He's yeah. like badass. So what, what I love about it is I, I guess I, I agree that when the songwriter, I don't know, writes what you could, we call personal lyrics that can be really good. But I, I guess like even with Connor burst, it's, this might be part of the reason why some people don't like him, but I know sometimes his 
there's a certain sound in, to his voice, an intonation that sounds like you can hear how self-conscious he is or like self-aware he uh, of what he's doing is like, hey, let me show you this trick sort of thing. Like he's a little bit of a, like I could see why somebody might say like, oh, that little snot nose punk or something, you know? Um, and, but I, what I really like about them the most is, is that when, when I like when a musician is, they have something, it's either their lyrics or their sound where a, a sort of a narrative emerge merges or, or some sort of a distinct world. So like in the case of Connor Reverse, it's very narrative driven. It's all about him, where he came from, where he's going, what he's written about, what he identifies as like important places and events in his life and how he's kind of like memorialized them or, or something like that. But then with Elliot Smith, it's the sound. Like his lyrics are actually underrated. I mean, I hear it all the time where I go, oh, that those are really good lyrics. And they kind of go unnoticed, at least by me. And a lot of times, because a lot of sometimes the ones that are easy to hear are, um, they're, they're like, they sound like throwaway lines. Like he just threw that thing in there just to rhyme with this other thing, or it just felt like he needed a word there. And it just, that one made the most sense. But sometimes I hear him and I go, well, that's really great. But what I love about him more than anything else is just the, the, it's like a soundscape. You're entering a different world. And just to think that a human, another human being kind of created this whole world. I I'm in awe of that. Like I like being in that. That's what I like the most. That's what draws me the most. Um, whereas, uh, I don't know, you could hear like some cool sounds just like you could look at a great landscape and go, that's beautiful. But then I feel like it gets old unless you know the context or like you have something else to attach it to. And that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's what my whole draw is. Like, I remember you told me I just about Bright Eyes. I had heard of the band before, and I heard that it, it was a, some sort of acclaimed singer-songwriter. So I was interested in checking it out. But it wasn't just for you. It wasn't just like, oh, here's this song or band. Maybe you did say it that way. But then somebody that you had heard about them from, we saw like very soon after you showed me it. And then he goes on about like the legend, you know, just like this album is this and that. And um, it came after this. And here's the story behind this and the story behind that. And I am such a sucker for that sort of stuff. Yeah, that. I remember that guy. Um, I actually saw a Dessa Parasitos show years later, um, and he was there, which I'm not surprised about. Like, nobody's going to Dessa Parasitos shows. Nobody knows who they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I saw him there. Um, he's actually not the person who introduced me to Bright Eyes. It was this, it was this girl um, that I went out on like maybe two dates with. Okay. Yeah, girls love Bright Eyes. Oh, yeah, she loved it. And the first album, I think, was Lifted that I first heard. Um, And, like, who knows? Maybe if it was um, letting off the happiness, like, a little bit of a whinier album, like, maybe I wouldn't have taken to it Mm -hmm. as much. But that's, I don't know, that's probably not true. I like Dashboard, so. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's and definitely. for some reason, say for example, something like Dashboard, I never took to them. I've heard a couple of their songs; they're they're okay, I guess. But I would have always just thought, oh, it's not really my style, or I just never felt compelled to check out an album or hope to see or like look forward to what they're coming out with next. And maybe they're they're obviously not the exact same thing. But it's funny because I think the opening song off the first Bright Eyes album, Letting Off the Happiness, does sound a lot like one some dashboard confessional song. So maybe that's why you said that. I think, and yeah. But it's almost like I I don't know, something Yeah, um Yeah, something just want, made me want to listen more than I would to something like that. I had some, I mean, maybe it's just all the rock journalism saying, oh, this guy's so prolific at such a young age. So I got the idea that there was more to it than just one or two songs that people were touched by or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's like something clearly there that's not that common when you listen to like a Bright Eyes. Whereas like if you listen to like a Dashboard or something, well, I think they're great. Um I really haven't listened to all their discography. There's like the good songs that I like and I leave it there and maybe in fear of disappointment. I don't know. Um, but I, I really haven't explored in the way that I've explored bright eyes music. Cause I like, I'd be hard pressed to think you could play a song and I wouldn't know some of the lyrics or know what album or know what the song was called or know how to play it. Um, but with like dashboard, I don't know. I was in this sort of guitar playing phase where like Blink-182 was the shit at the time. And like, I don't know. I just like that guitar tone of like punk rock sort of, even though I don't, I don't know if that's like really considered like pure punk rock, if you want to be like a weirdo about it, but that like pop punk. Yeah. Yeah. Blink-182 is interesting in that there's something about their sound that is very appealing but then they they have other stuff that kind of balances it out in the wrong way i guess where and and i think guess it's fairly basic like i think there are other bands especially around the time when they came out that had song, stuff like that but sometimes i i just like like if you listen to their first album or something it's you know it sounds like they it was made in a basement or a garage it sounds very similar to the kind of stuff that i was making on cassette tapes i mean it's a <laughs> different style of music but it's got that there's that lo-fi feel to it. And it just sounds fun. The one thing I like about certain punk is it just sounds like they're not taking, well, I want to say they're not taking themselves too seriously in some sense, maybe lyrically they sometimes are, but I mean, people, whatever they like crack jokes and stuff, but it sounds like it's really important to that, that you find it funny. Whereas the music itself is not taking itself seriously. They just say, yeah, this song sounds just like the last one, but who fucking cares? We're making music. That's all we want to do. You know, sort it, of thing. It has like, I think the same thing that like Ozzy had in the eighties for the people that were similar ages. You know what I mean? Fuck it. Like, let's crank this shit up a little bit and just let loose and get lit. Like, and not give a fuck about anything. I mean, it was just kind of that reckless, like, teen sort of feel to it. Yeah, you know what? That fun. reminds me. I think I've heard older people talk about rock, like the like, as like a philosophy or or a way of looking at the world. 
as a stand-in or synonym for what you just said, which is, uh, you know, who gives a fuck? Like, let's just go for it sort of thing. I don't think kids think of it that way anymore, but like, you know, it's something similar to the school of rock when Jack Black, he talks about rock music in that way, you know, like it's against the man and we're not going to take it anymore. And, you know, don't put up with their shit and, you know, do it your way and uh, break free, like sort of stuff. And, and, and like, it's cheesy, but it's funny and fun, I guess. But that's, there was a time when, well, I don't know how true this really was, but like when every time you see, movies made about people who are into like rock, like ACDC, Black Sabbath, that sort of stuff. And then hair metal and stuff. It's always about like, rock on, dude. Like, are you rocking? Are you going to rock? Yeah, of course I rock. Like, do you rock? Sort of stuff. (laughs) Like, it sounds so weird and cheesy, but I don't know if people actually talk that way, but it's kind of like saying, are you cool? Are you not the the school principal, like, are you going to rat me out for my hair being past my shoulders or something? Or are you like cool with like me being myself? (laughs) You know, it was just kind of like, I don't know. I look at glam rock as being like really weird. Cause I like, I really don't like it. I liked Ozzy. I think Ozzy's pretty cool, but I, I don't know if you call that glam rock, but when it comes to like ACDC and like guns and roses, I'm like, that's like really strange. Like, I, I don't know. I don't get it. It's it not doesn't... as much my um, style, but I do appreciate some of it. I mean, ACDC, I guess maybe not so much. They really, every song does sound exactly the same. I mean, they just recently released another album. I mean, some of their guys are dead, but like they, who, the remaining members released some song. It sounds exactly like some song they made 30 years ago. It's, I think like, or for Rush, years ago. like Rush was pretty cool. They, I don't know. Do you call that glam rock? No, that's prog rock. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You see like. Right. They have like 10 minute songs and huge drum solos and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And like weird time signatures. Yeah. That's prog rock. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I like them. Um, ACDC. Yeah. They really are terrible. I, I guess Aerosmith wasn't like a terrible band, but I feel like glam rock and pop punk are sort of similar. Like, you know, they are similar to like people who listen to them when they're growing up is to like pop punk is to me now. Cause like, Oh yeah. Like, it, like it I'm not going to drive around my car and like blast dashboard confessionals. Now I it would be ashamed of myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you do have a soft spot in your heart for, um, a certain kind of <laughs> pop punk. Um, it's just, you know, they take the pop really seriously. Like you hear oozing out of their voice. You know, they do that signature, they have this signature voice where they're whining. Um, and it feels weird for me to say this because I like bright eyes and bright eyes, you know, he's got his wine he's or got whatever. His warble. Yeah, they I, I think <laughs> yeah, I saw a journalist write it once as his signature warble. <laughs> the that that pop punk voice thing, like it's not like I guess I did like kind of have a thing for that. Like I don't really I don't know that that might be the thing that is the most shameful about it now. Mm-hmm. Where like I wouldn't blast that, but like I'll blast some Death Cab mm-hmm. because he doesn't really do that, and they still have that. He doesn't do that exact thing, but he's got his own version, I guess, which is okay. If that's even pop punk, like I feel like no, if I don't somebody think it is. It's- who's like really into categorizing music would be like that's not pop punk. That's not glam rock. Probably like, not. Yeah, 
this weird yuppie-ish snobbish categorization of other people's shit you know what i mean yeah make, thinking about the sugar's not metal they're grindcore go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> yeah the i was just thinking about sometimes i maybe i get skeptical of like man you know how original really is uh Connor a burst of bright eyes. I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's not at all, but actually, if you compare him to some of those pop punk bands, who I guess at in some sense have some of the same audience, you know, like there's a certain kind of like seventeen year old girl who loves both of them, maybe, <laughs> and they the pop. See, the thing what's annoying about the pop punk is not only. Do they have the certain voice? But they even—it's like they're doing Mad Libs. Like they, the, the subject matter is all the same. And like, not only do they talk about the same things, they talk about them in the same way. Um, it feels like to me, you know, just uh, high school dramas and high school, and and they like they assume a certain position or attitude toward the person, and like say use the same kind of words and like think they're funny in the same kinds of ways, and it makes Bright Eyes sound like Shakespeare. Or something, you know, um, easy. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely like just a cut above. Like when it comes to using language, he, you know, he's beyond a lot of people. Yeah, whether or not you, I guess, I'm like his music, which like I could see some people just being like, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who just like EDM. You know, what I mean, they're just mm-hmm. chilling. They just want something while they're driving around, like. Or they want something to work out to. And like, if you're trying to work out, listening to Lua is not going to fucking cut it. Like, you should turn on some Future, some Meshuggah maybe. You know, there's yeah. there's a thousand other songs that are going to do it for you. But Lua is just not going to fucking cut it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to sit around and like smoke some weed and be inflective and like all sad because like that's just where you are in your life. Like, yeah, fucking fire up some Elliot Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the weird thing is I'm not sure. This is maybe counterintuitive, but I have heard people uh, make a similar sentiment, and that is I don't necessarily listen to them when I'm sad or because I'm sad. You know? You know, I, yeah, me too, but like, I don't know. It's easy to categorize that music yeah. as being that. But yeah, like I, I feel like an odd sensation actually. Sometimes when I listen to that music, as sad as some of it is, like it makes me feel really happy. Yeah. I'm like, because you get this like wide scape of the human experience all in one song. And like, while it might even be sad all the way through, it's like this really beautiful piece of music. Yeah. At the same time. So it's like, you know, I guess in some sort of way, you take a negative and make it a positive. At a party, he was waiting, looking kind of spooky and withdrawn like he could be underwater. The mighty mother with her hundred arms were cast all aside. I hate to walk behind other people's ambitions. I saw you waiting, saved like. With your warning, we belong. We belong, cause you know you don't belong. No, you don't belong.
got nervous, started whistling. Every thought a ricochet, and I wondered while we're waiting, what's the worst thing I could say as I froze up inside? You remind me of of a daughter, but I forgot her. I forgot her name. Ashamed, go home and live with your pain. Leave alone, leave alone, 'cause you know you don't belong. No, you don't belong here. Don't belong here. Just slip out quietly.